This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business life. It's showing your impact, so you really, really need to have that area of unmet need, but then also how your technology can improve on what's currently there and how that can deliver impact, not only to healthcare, but also to a lot of other areas. Hello, curious entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs, and welcome to episode 381 of Business Live, here on Sheffield Live, FM and DAB Radio, online and wherever you get your podcasts. And today's guest, Dr. Kirsty Smitten, has gone from PhD student to chief executive, CEO of Metallobio Limited. Antimicrobial resistant infections cause over a million fatalities already. That's predicted to rise to 10 million fatalities. But her business has developed an antimicrobial platform technology to prevent and to treat antimicrobial resistant infections. And Kirsty explains a little bit more about what her business does, but also how it got there, how it has spun out from the university, how she has secured nearly £2 million already in non-diluted funding, the importance of going on incubation and acceleration programmes and accessing routes to market, how to demonstrate and how to measure your potential impact. There's a lot here about anyone in any industry or any sector who's thinking about applying to Innovate UK for funding, Innovate being something, uh, their funding programmes. We've flagged up on the programme before, so loads of sage advice here from Kirsty. Plus, she also covers the need for appropriate lab space in Sheffield, the importance of having a really supportive team around you, and why she, she used to dread pitching, but now she loves it. Kirsty was named the Young Entrepreneur of the Year in the Yorkshire Regional FSB Awards. That comes on top of loads of other awards. She was named in the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. And one of her absolute favourite awards, she explains why, was being uh, given an award by the Royal Society of Chemistry. There's a huge amount in here about commercialising ideas, about the importance of getting on programmes to develop, commercialise your idea, find routes to market and much, much more. I think whatever your discipline, you'll find this helpful, you'll find it useful. So let's hear from Dr Kirsty Smitten. We're open for business life. Dr Kirsty Smitten, thanks so much for joining us on the radio show and podcast today. Hello. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. First of all, congratulations, Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Yet another accolade for you and for the business. But I'm going to ask you about the recognition that you've had in a moment. But first of all, tell us a little bit about the problem that you exist to address. Yeah, so we're looking into um, developing new compounds for bacterial infections. And the reason that we're doing that is because um, bacteria have become resistant to a lot of currently available antibiotics. Um, they have they become resistant through a lot of different mechanisms, but antimicrobial resistance currently is responsible for 1.2 million annual fatalities, and this is globally. But by 2050, this is expected to rise to 10 million. And to put this into perspective, cancer is only supposed to cause 8.2 million by the same year. So um, AMR is going to be responsible for more deaths than cancer by 2050 if we don't do something about it. So what we're doing is using a completely different chemistry to the current drugs on the market to basically combat this. 
Gosh, okay. So there's an absolute profound need there in terms of numbers that you talked about, the predictions in terms of infections um, causing so many deaths, 10 million deaths annually by, by 2050. You have developed a, an antimicrobial compound, and, and that happened, I understand, first of all, during your PhD at Sheffield University. Is that correct? Yeah, so I did a PhD in chemistry and microbiology at Sheffield. And um, originally, my group made these compounds for oncology. But what we did was adapt the compounds to be more readily taken up by bacteria. And I made them. Luckily, this isn't a typical PhD. I made them in the first week of my PhD and they worked. So I had quite a good good PhD, yeah, compared to the normal. (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, week one. Were you sh- as shocked as everyone else then that that happened in the first week? Yeah, so we we had kind of a bit of an idea that they potentially would be active against um, something called gram-positive bacteria, so that's the likes of MRSA, um, but we didn't know that they would be so active against gram-negative bacteria, so things like E. coli and Pseudomonas, and that's because typically antibiotics are more active on the gram-positives so it was a real shock and a real surprise that we'd managed to make something that was so active against the gram negatives because they're where the area of highest unmet need is. What was the process in terms of going from researcher studying chemistry here at Sheffield to turning that into this, this business? How did that work? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind. So um we filed a patent in April 2019, and following that, we, um, well, I went on uh, something called the Lean Launch Program that was run by North by Northwest, and this is basically a market validation program. So it allows early career researchers to go out into the marketplace and meet with potential partners, customers, funders, and basically see if there's a real need for your tech. And from this, we realised that that the need was there. There was a lot of interest not only in the drug, but also as using the compounds within coatings for medical devices, so to actually prevent the infection before it happens. And then following that, I did the iCure program. So that was basically a bigger version of the Lean Launch, and that's run by Innovate UK. And we had a really positive program. We actually had two commercial partners formed from that program, and we secured funding from Innovate UK to spin Metallabio out. So I was writing my thesis um, whilst forming a company and I suddenly went from PhD to CEO very quickly. That's absolutely amazing. <laughs> We've frequently flagged up Innovate UK and many of their programmes on, on this radio programme and podcast. And noting that you had been on a uh, an earlier programme and that must have helped in terms of getting onto the Innovate UK programme, Are there any tips that you can give listeners in terms of how to successfully engage with Innovate UK and access the funding that they can provide and get onto their programmes? Yeah, so I think with with the iCure, I think the main tip I would have would be to to engage with your commercialisation team at your university. So we had a technology transfer officer at the university and he was very, very good or he is very, very good. He's now our COO and he um, basically set us up on these programs and iCure they're not paying me for this by the way iCure but iCure is definitely (laughs) fundamentally the best thing that I've ever done I don't think we'd have the company if I hadn't done that program so I would really recommend that and I think 
In terms of actual Innovate grant funding, we've actually been quite successful. So we've had a smart grant by Medical Catalyst. And more recently, I was awarded the Women in Innovation grant. And I think with that, it's showing your impact. So you really, really need to have that area of unmet need, but then also how your technology can improve on what's currently there and how that can deliver impact not only to healthcare but also to a lot of other areas so increasing jobs and we also will be able to reduce carbon footprint by reducing hospitalization rates so I think it's getting that impact nailed down um, is really key and then also your route to market and we've had quite a lot of help with that from our business advisors so I think having getting advice um, on those areas of innovate funding grants is really really good. Okay, brilliant. And so when it comes to measuring your potential impact, your impact and uh, and your potential impact, are there any particular frameworks or methodologies that appear to be recognised and uh, and useful for, for both you and for funders? Yeah, so we've used the government, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, we've used a government framework. So there's also, there's, they've got something called the Horizon um, framework which is good and then we also used their strategy so for us um, there's the innovation strategy and then there's also the leveling up agenda that we've looked into um, so obviously being up north I think it's it's obviously clear a lot of funding goes into the golden triangle and not a lot of it goes into into northern companies especially investment funding so that leveling up um, is key as well for northern um, businesses so your Leveling up the um, research and R&D that's going on up north so everything's not just centred down south. So we use um, the frameworks that are on the government website for that. Okay, brilliant. Again, it's really good to hear that those frameworks are practical and have been helpful for you and can be for other entrepreneurs too. When it comes to the investment that you've needed in terms of to develop then the, the business further, We've talked about funding from Innovate UK. Have you attracted equity investment? Have you attracted any debt investment or other types of funding at all? How, how have you funded? So, so currently to date, we've actually been completely non-dilutive funded. So I have, I think it adds up to just under 2 million, have secured us just under 2 million of non-dilutive funding um, from Innovate, from the Royal Academy of Engineering, and then also um, UKRI. So we have to date been non-dilutive funding but we are currently raising around so we do have 900,000 committed by a lead investor um, and we are talking to a number of other investors so we are hoping to close that round in the next couple of months um, and that will be our first equity round. Right okay great so there's significant interest already. Yeah so we I think we found we did we did try to raise quite early on and we found that antibiotics isn't a space that many people want to fund unfortunately so the the need is there but the um commercial market isn't there so on the other end the business model's flawed basically if you bring a new drug to the market it will be shelved because um clinicians don't want resistance to emerge to it which means that it's not bought very often which means the market returns aren't there new business models like the um nhs subscription model that the uk have bought in are looking to improve that, but it means that it's quite difficult to raise in this space. So what we realised was we really needed to look at sector specialist investors um, to raise that round. But it's been it's been a long process, but we're getting there. 
<laughs> wow, that sounds really interesting in terms of finding the right match, the right fit. So, Kirsty, you have just been named Younger Entrepreneur of the Year for Yorkshire and Humber by the FSB, the Federation for Small Businesses. Congratulations again. It must have been challenging on the way, as well as the the, the highs, the lows, and so on. What have been the most difficult elements of um, getting the business to the position it currently is in? I think one would be obviously the obviously getting an investment. I think that's probably up there with one of the biggest challenges for most biotechs. Um, the other thing for us is actually lab space. So we are a primarily R&D based company with chemists and um, engineers and in Sheffield unfortunately there's not really a lot of um, incubated lab space so obviously in Manchester you have the likes of Oldley Park and Nottingham BioCity but we don't really have that in Sheffield yet and that's been been quite difficult for us so we are currently based in the university but we do want to expand and we don't have that lab lab facility in Sheffield but I think Again, hopefully, fingers crossed, this is this is set to change. So there's a new building in, called Pennine 5 in Sheffield, and this is supposed to be having lab space developed um, in it. So this will be, I think, cha- like game-changing in Sheffield because I know there are a lot of startups that are looking for lab space, and I think having that there will be key for um, companies like mine to be able to grow. Absolutely. I mean, it's sounds like a significant need in in the city and i hope that is something that is ready for your business to move into how how big's the team um so currently we have seven uh, members of staff in the team three are full time and the rest are part time at the end of this raise we're looking to take on another four full time members of staff and move our coo to full time as well so we're expanding quite a lot um we do outsource quite a lot of stuff, obviously being drug development. So we outsource all of our animal models and things like that. But we do have quite a big and good team. I love my team and <laughs> good team. Yeah. So I think that's been, I think if I had a tip for someone that was going into biotech, it's make sure that you have a good working relationship with your team because they've been really supportive to me, um, especially over the last couple of months. And I think that's been key for the company to grow. Right, so critical there in terms of uh, getting the right the right team around you yeah. for that growth. And the compounds that you're developing are in preclinical development at the moment. Is that is that correct? So yeah, trials in 2025, I think from from the website. Yeah, so we're looking at so we're in preclinical at the moment. We're looking at entering phase one by 2025, um, and we're just finished our small animal models and we'll be moving into medium animal models after the race so things are moving forward well with things are looking positive we've looked at treating um one of so the world health organization have a list of priority pathogens and these are pathogens that really really require new drugs and we've looked at treating pseudomonas um which is one of the priority pathogens and that's really going well at the moment so and um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to target one of the areas where there's a significant unmet need. That's obviously brilliant. Um, what enormous potential impact then. And so amazing in terms of the two million non-diluted capital you've already raised, um, the current raise underway as well. Absolutely fantastic in terms of demonstrating the uh, um, the the potential impact to people as well. Um, what's the future then in terms of our 
when will when will you be a revenue generating company? When will you be profitable? And what's the what's the sort of five year plan? I think on the revenue generating side, that could be potentially quite soon. So we, for the coating technology, we're looking to outlicense that really early on. And um, we're at a point where it is in a position where it can be outlicensed. So. We have one commercial agreement with a leading um, leading portfolio companies there, a large global company, and that is an option to license agreement. So if they decide to um, carry on developing the technology, then we should have a full license agreement this year. And then we have two other commercial programs going on at the moment as well. So they're quite a bit earlier. They're in proof of concept stage. But we should hopefully be revenue generating this year with um, license deals for the coating technology. For the drug, obviously, we're a bit further away. I think we would probably develop to phase two and then hopefully partner with a um, large pharmaceutical company. So we have had early discussions with pharmaceutical companies. One, um, it looks like we're going to go on to an incubator program with, but I think obviously it's quite early, early for that. I hope in the next five years we will have grown and we will have outlicensed the coating technology um, and then also probably be looking at the, that partnering um, with the large farmer. I think for the coating, um, we can use it in non-medical and medical applications. So that offers us a bit of a shorter development pathway because obviously for the non-medical, we don't have to go into clinical trials. So think that's where our minimum viable product is um, in the coatings and then obviously revenue generated from that can go into the drug development program right yes okay brilliant lots of um, lots of cogs there lots of um, lots of different levers but all interacting yeah. <laughs> and we mentioned the FSB award but you also won the Royal Society of Chemistries um, emerging tech competition last year which must have been from from the from the Royal Society of Chemistry that must have been a a really significant accolade for a, for a young business like like yours. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, and again demonstrates the um, the the real value, the uniqueness in, in in terms of what you've done. I suppose. Yeah. So that that one, I think, it was probably the fa- my favourite. We've won quite a few awards. One, so one was Forbes thirty under thirty. Uh, yeah. One was the Ernest Young sponsored Nova Prize in Chemistry, and then Elric Early Career Impact Award. But I think the Royal Society of Chemistry one probably was was the best one for me that we've won because we I had to pitch um, to a panel, and the panel included people from Eli Lilly, Reckitt Ben Kaiser. So it was like massive companies. And it was terrifying, uh, but it was really, really good. Like they gave me very, very positive feedback on the technology. Um, there was excellent technology in my category and winning that, I think, was a major accolade for the company and also came with support as well. So we got um, mentoring, venture mentoring from some really key significant people that work in pharma, that are investors. Um, they've offered us a lot of advice. So I think... That one was was very, very impactful. I think if I could recommend anyone to enter a competition, that would probably be the one that I would recommend. Right. Brilliant. And I talked to a lot of founders and a lot of entrepreneurs, and they would really love to be getting on with the job of developing the tech, running the business and so on. But they recognize that pitching is something they have to have to do. For you, is pitching something that you enjoy or you see as a necessary thing? And do you have any tips? Yeah, I, I used to hate it. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I think when I used to talk at scientific conferences, it's not that I used to hate it, but I'd get really, really nervous. Um, now I think it's where I come into my own. I think that's where my, my skills really, really come out is in, in my ability to deliver an explanation of the technology in a comprehensible manner to a broader audience. So one that doesn't necessarily contain experts in the field. And I think the tip would probably be experience uh, i think it comes with doing it so the more you do it i used to throw myself in and in, in scientific conferences and always apply for a talk even though i didn't really like talking and i think the more you do it the better you get at it and i think you just kind of have to not get on with it but just do it and view it as an enjoyable experience rather than something that's terrifying because often you get a lot of good advice and you obviously sometimes get investment from pitches so there's always good outcomes and i think pitching has gone from something that I used to dread to something that I actually look forward to doing now. Brilliant. Again, that's absolutely fantastic advice for people, whatever the business, whatever whatever the sector that they're in. That's that's super helpful. Thank you very much, Kirsty. So this has been fascinating, the Metallabio story so far with Dr. Kirsty Smitten. As you said, one of your skills being um, explaining things in a comprehensible way. This isn't a scientific program. Its um, audience are curious entrepreneurs. And you have sated our curiosity. You've told <laughs> us about what you do and how you do it in a way that we can comprehend. Is there anything else that you would uh, like to talk about when it comes to your journey, the business journey and so on? Anything valuable and helpful? Any tips that you have? Yeah, I think with I guess with my journey and with the business journey, I think if you're a student or a PhD student, I think you're never really taught the commercial side of things. Um, in a PhD, you're taught quite a lot of the academic and you're kind of driven to publish. You're never really taught about how what you're doing could actually be commercialized. And I think if I could change anything about a PhD, it would be to, to do a module on commercialization. And I think and my advice would be to anyone who has an interest in entrepreneurship to look at programs like the iCure because I think that really opened my eyes. I always thought I wanted to be an academic and now I wouldn't do anything else than my job. I love it. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to those sorts of courses would be my advice. Like, And also my other advice would be everyone is willing to give up a bit of time to talk about their journey or most people, have, most people I've met are. Um, so I think if you want to, learn a bit about how to go into entrepreneurship or how to do a spin out, contact someone because they probably will give up some of their time to talk about it with you. Brilliant. Again, that's absolutely, absolutely invaluable advice. Really powerful. Very, very useful indeed. And I think we need to send this to um, universities all over the, <laughs> the UK and say, hey, listen, you've got a lot of bright PhD folk. We've got a lot of um, a huge potential. You need to uh, you need to give people access to some commercialization modules as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Great. So, Dr. Kirsty Smitten, thank you ever so much. Where can people find out more about Metallabio? Do you want to give the website address? Yeah, so it's www.metallabio.com and then also we are on LinkedIn as well. Super. Thank you so much for joining us on the Business Live show today. Thank you. We're open for Business Live. This is Business Live, episode 381 of the show here on Shefford Live FM and DAB Radio online and, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jamie Veach. 
Today's guest was Dr. Kirsty Smitten. We were talking about her business, Metallobio Limited, and we were talking about spinning out ideas. Um, Kirsty herself went from PhD to Chief Executive. If you have only just tuned in, then you can catch the interview by listening again on Sheffield Live, uh, find the show, or wherever you get your podcast, look up Business Live, Sheffield Live. You should be able to find us. And we talked a bit in that interview with Kirsty about Innovate UK funding and its iCure programme as well that has been so impactful for her business. Now, if you take a look online at ukri.org, UK Research and Innovations website, then take a look at the tab for Innovate UK. You can find currently there are 55 opportunities of funding, grant programmes, um, with all sorts of different things being funded um, that could be appropriate to some of the listeners to this show. So take a look at those. And um, there might be something for you. But if you do that, then why not bear in mind Kirsty's advice of earlier in terms of how to demonstrate your impact and some tips that she had about getting onto programmes like this. When it comes to funding, the Economic Recovery Fund is now open. It's the second round of the fund and open for new applications, grants of up to £200,000 for large projects or up to £50,000 for small projects in a part of the fund called the District Centre Fund for one or several specific high street areas. And then there's also a flexible fund for projects that might be citywide, focusing on a whole sector or lots of areas. Um, Grants of up to £50,000 from that fund. Now, The whole purpose of the Economic Recovery Fund is to support work to improve local high streets and encourage residents and visitors to spend their time and to shop there. If you want to find out more, take a look at sheffield.gov.uk. Go to the Business tab and you should be able to find Economic Recovery Fund. Deadline for applications is the 30th of April. That's nearly it, but worth a reminder, there's a whole range of opportunities for one-to-one sessions with information specialists at Sheffield Central Library to help you research your market and get access at no cost to major market research and business information databases through the Business and IP Centre South Yorkshire. And they also have lots of other things coming up in terms of meet the expert clinics covering a whole range of things like patent advice, trademarks, copyright, other stuff too. Take a look at bipcsouthyorkshire.co.uk. That's it for this week's programme. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks Sheffield Live for putting us out on DAB and FM radio. And thank you for listening, whether it's there or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week. Sheffield Live. Made in Sheffield. Made by you.